season here as we get into conference tournament and then the NCAA tournament we're at 65 percent 52.5 percent break even and the profit is ten thousand dollars watching Pac-12 basketball it's all I've been on I've watched some others uh conferences some other teams in other conferences but I haven't been because I'm getting ready to the NCAA tournament paid for vacations made an ungodly amount of money watching and betting the NCAA tournament. So this is part two of a three-part series. The previous podcast, we went from broad to narrow. So the, from a broad perspective, we talked about fundamental analysis. We talked about technical analysis. Nobody's ever gotten rich with technical analysis. People have gotten rich with fundamental analysis. And fundamental analysis involves the considerations of all things that can affect the price of a stock, such as corporate earnings, product developments, political considerations, such as laws, regulations, corporate governance, accounting issues, etc. And another thing we'll get into, I'll talk about in the next podcast, is the concept of value as we get into specifically how you pick games to make money and monetize the highest and best use of your time watching sports. And in this case, college basketball and having a really good time, a fun time with Marsh Bandits. Optimizing as a sports fan, your time watching Marsh Bandits. And time is money. Life is short. You want to maintain relationships with uh, your significant others. And the best way to do it in the United States of America, it's always having money in your pocket. Not that money buys it or anything, not that money buys love, but it facilitates be, you being able to do, to communicate your love language out there. Right? You can't do it without money. And especially when uh, you're an obsessive sports fan, as I am, as the audience is, uh, we love it. All right? And sports betting is a collaborative effort. Random strangers never been before give you some information that you can monetize, right? You can be human for five seconds. So going broad to narrow, we talked about, uh, you know, having an MBA, securities licenses, clients that worth $20 million. So the same way you pick a stock, same process you use to make a big decision in business is the same way you pick a game. Talked in last podcast about decision science probability theory, those are all tools in our business decision-making toolbox that we use to make money watching sports. So, as we narrow it down, 
we're going to talk about today uh, the corporate governance aspect of picking NCAA basketball games. Uh, when you're watching games, how can you tell who are the good coaches and who are not, right? So when you're watching games, you have to identify, right? Who are the coaches that are going to be difference makers? Because when you have an equal amount of talent, that's where coaching comes in. And that's where coaching makes a difference, difference in the outcome of the game. Now, when you know the two coaches involved, you know the truth about these coaches, you can then anticipate the outcome to make money. So, like Elon Musk says, the closer you get to the truth, the better you can predict outcomes to make money, right? He's the owner of Tesla, <laughs> all right? He's the owner of SpaceX. Uh, he was one of the original founders of PayPal. So, we do that for basketball in anticipating and monetizing, making ungodly amounts of money watching sports. But I get to share it with you, give you the tools so you can do well for my survival weekend. But I digress. So we're going to look at six, uh, the five aspects of a coach that you can identify when you're watching games to understand that this man or woman, maybe when you're watching women's basketball, is a difference maker that you can monetize. This is being undervalued in the market, right? And you know the coach in this spot is going to make the move, be able to come up with strategy to win the game or cover that gives you an, an extra layer of insight that other people don't have. Because you got to remember, this is a competition. You, when you're betting in sports, you're betting against a casino. You're betting against you're you're competing against the casino. You're competing against against a sports book. You're competing against uh, other betters. You're competing against ESPN. You're competing against a lot of people. So you have to have that edge, and you have to have a process. And part of our process is identifying a good coach. Number one, uh, I would say key, I would say attribute, I would say trait or clue that a guy's a good coach. Coming off a timeout, does the team score or not? Or does it at least have a good possession where they should have scored? Because that tells you the coach's communication skills, his instinct in calling a timeout at the right time, and his evaluation of what's going on. And not just that, because if you evaluate what's going on and you have a brilliant play, but you cannot communicate with the players, you're not executing as a coach, right? I hate when these coaches say, oh, I called the perfect play, but he threw it over his head. No, if he threw it over his head, you didn't make a great call. And you're not being, you're not a great coach, right? It's a great coach when the player executes the pass, right? So that's number one. Number two is in-game adjustments. Can the coach get off the script that he laid out before the season, that he laid out for the game, and be able to 
communicate to the team that you're switching gears, that you're flipping the script. Coaches that can't get off the script. Coaches that whatever's happening, stick to the stupid game plan or stick to their stupid coaching philosophy. Those teams do not, those coaches do not do good in the tournament. Because remember, in the tournament, for the most part, it's equal talent. There's no such thing as an upset. Got marginal utility. Uh, yeah, Dojkovic is the, the, the example I use for marginal utility. Joker is the greatest tennis player of all time. We're up there, right? He's won um, as many titles as anyone in history. He's up there. And he was the 200th player in the world, but he improved his stroke percentage 0.001. He became the greatest player of all time just by slightly improving his stroke. So when you get to this level, high level, high level Division One college athletes, uh, everybody's good. So when everybody's good, uh, you have to be an outlier to do well in the tournament. And the way you identify that is, does the coach have in-game adjustments? So number one was, coming off the timeout, does the coach call a good play? I remember listening to Shake Hearn, Lakers when I was a kid, and he said that, and it stuck with me my whole life. Better than that, I've used that information to make money. Number three, does the coach hire good assistants? Does he have a good number two? Very important. Teams that I've seen go far in the tournament, you always see uh, an older guy, and you know that he's the strategy guy. You know that he's the one that, you know, with the other responsibilities the coach has, that he has a good number two who's that extra eyes and ears of wisdom to be able to execute one and two or help the coach execute one and two. Does he have a deep staff, right, for communication purposes and for when things get crazy out there? So that's something you can observe. That's something you can do research on uh, to find that out. And remember, none of this information on this podcast is idle information. This is all information to monetize basketball games that we've used in the past. And when we've done our analysis, what have you done for me lately? It's gotten us 65% and $10,000. I did not have before. Okay? Number four. Number four. Does the coach have a good plan for roster management and to keep his team fresh, uh, especially in the round of 32? These uh, NCAA games are more intense. They're more uh, stressful. So you need a coach who knows either if he's playing 10 guys and he's doing a hockey shift or if he's playing seven guys as he switched them to zone to save their legs. Some strategy, it's almost like football. Basketball can be many times a game of a war of attrition, trying to wear the other people down. Russia against Ukraine. The Russians trying to wear Ukrainians down, exhausting all their ammunition. While the Ukrainians are trying to kill as many Russian soldiers as possible to kind of wear them down, wear down their military. So does the coach have a good 
roster management, minutes management, um, strategy. You have good bench players, guys that can come off the bench. The starters get in foul trouble or they're having a bad game. Can guys, does he have guys who can come off the bench and do what? Then the number five aspect that you look at to see whether it's going to be a good coach in the NCAA tournament is uh, kind of a mental health thing, kind of emotional management. If he's a hothead screaming at everybody, does he have again? Does he have a coach, a good number two, calm people down, or is the hothead the assistant and the head coach constantly? You have to have a good cop bad cop. So what's going on in that sideline? Do your research. Ask friends who are alumni. Right. I'm going to have it in the episode notes, the top 10 rules of betting that you use, obviously, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but the number two rule, number one, never bet your own team. Never bet your own team in the tournament. Number two is always do your research. Right? So part of doing your research is knowing how that bench is structured. Is there a mechanism for emotional control? Do they have a bench mob that's going crazy after every three, right? Getting everybody in dues. They have to have something. You got to look at it. North Carolina is great about that. Every time they score in the NCAA tournament, you see the whole bench getting up and clapping. What system do they have? Remember, North Carolina's won a lot of national titles, including with the current coach, uh, Davis, Herbert Davis, right? He won a title playing, he won a title as a coach, and they always have that system, right? In the NCAA tournament, everybody wants to score. The whole bench gets up and starts clapping. Very So that, in a nutshell, right, the second part. So we started with the first part, but we use, right, business, how to make business decisions in the NCAA tournament to make money. Then we're narrowing it down to the, when you're watching games now, getting prepared for the NCAA tournament because you can't. Like I said in the last podcast, and I say it all the time, you can't just roll up to Vegas on Thursday and start picking games in line an hour before games tip off. Got to start doing your research now. And I was observing, observing what your what the coaching staff is doing. What are the characteristics? What are the, what are the traits of coaches? that are going to make you money in the NCAA tournament. So we gave you five points that's made us money in the past, made us money in the future, uh, in the present, and we anticipate right, making us money in the future. Like Elon Musk said, when you get to the truth, you can anticipate outcomes. So when you use this checklist, get to the truth about a coach, right? It's going to help you in the NCAA tournament. So part three is going to be, we'll get to the nuts and bolts of how to pick a game. What statistics to look at? What characteristics and players to look at? So uh, it's not philanthropy. It's not religion. When you give one, 
you always get 10 back. And I've gotten a lot of great information uh, from the podcast audience. About $200,000 have been reported. Uh, I'm not as religious as my dad, but my dad's a preacher. And we always remember that story about Jesus healing 10 people of leprosy. Only two came back. And, and the whole joke is that one of the two they came back with because they dropped a $20 bill and they knew Jesus had a $20 bill. <laughs> so at $200,000 people have reported they made on the podcast, probably a million dollars people have made on the podcast. So if you can make money, tip us out. <laughs> to, you know, we have other people on the podcast that are always well-vetted, well-versed, well-recommended to give good, valuable information you can use to monetize and beat inflation. But you don't have to pay action sports $300. That's my point. Uh, we give you all the information for free. Because like Winston Churchill said, as we go into World War Three, he said this during World War Two, fire chats, fireside chats. World War Two, Winston Churchill said, you make a living from your labor, but you make your life for what you get. Thank you for listening to the FTC podcast. Next week, we'll get to the nuts and bolts of how to fix these games. But you don't get to that without part one and part two. Part three will come next week. Thank you for listening to the FTC podcast now. That's why this one don't cost $800. And that goes to us. And I don't know what that costs. I'm just shaking the word. That's why.